Hey all, this is Ian, your friendly neighborhood GM, and we are Alacrity, a group of people and D&D enthusiasts playing through Rise of the Rune Lords. Welcome to our podcast. This is episode zero, and I'm going to spend some time talking a bit about what we're playing through, the podcast background, and our format. So to start, Rise of the Rune Lords is the first adventure path for the Pathfinder role-playing game. Adventure paths are intended to cover the span of a full campaign, from level 1 until generally around level 16 through 20, made up of a handful of different interconnected books or chapters. While the Pathfinder creators, Paizo, have put out a number of great adventure paths over the years, Rise of the Rune Lords in particular has a bit of a reputation in the Pathfinder community, well earned for its unique take on goblins, its strong writing, and its really well executed horror elements for the middle books, as well as several really memorable fights early on, and a few notoriously difficult encounters throughout. Obviously, if you're just starting to play through Rise of the Rune Lords yourself as a player, this episode, as well as the podcast as a whole, has a huge number of spoilers, so if you're a player in the campaign now below about level 10 or so, or you intend to play through in the future, maybe spare your GM a bit of a heart attack and find something else to listen to. As for us, we're a cross-country group of role players spanning Washington State, Minnesota, and Ohio. We've all been playing homebrew campaigns, both together and with others, for a few years and decided that, with this new adventure path, it'd be an interesting experience to try and put it out into the world. We started pretty much from scratch. A conference mic, some shitty webcams, a virgin Twitch channel, and a mediocre knowledge of the software and skills we need to broadcast. But over the years, we've evolved, and the streams turned into something that, while not perfect, we're all super proud of. You can still catch us live every other Wednesday on our Twitch channel, Fantasticide, spelled fantastic IDE. And please do stop in and say hi. But we'll be editing our past shows down to podcast format and posting episodes in roughly hour-long chunks on a weekly basis, right here. All that said, an unfortunate side effect of our humble origins is that we don't have recordings of any of our earlier episodes, so to remedy that, I'm dedicating this inaugural episode to a semi-brief recap of Alacrity's journey from obscurity to where we'll be picking up, the deadly dungeons of Thistletop. This mostly covers the plot of Rise of the Rune Lords, so if you're familiar with the story and uninterested with the particulars of our journey through it, feel free to skip to the next episode. Otherwise, this history will be delivered by the lovely Marit, who plays Gix the Gnome Barbarian in our campaign, and currently plays Vivian the Shaman. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Our group started, as Rise of the Rune Lords players do, at the Swallowtail Festival in Sandpoint, through various means and for various purposes. Prina Springfuse came to the city as an outcast gnome, searching for a new home after being exiled from her quiet gnomish village. Gix Sparkstone came looking for news of the outside world to return to her relatively secluded forest community. And Drechny Key found his way to the city as a humble guide, helping travelers between Magnamar, Sandpoint, and the greater Lost Coast region, along with his faithful horse, Miley Cyrus. Cardiff stopped in Sandpoint while wandering the land as a nomadic scholar monk. And Lan Nikos, a longtime resident, looked forward to celebrating a major milestone in the city's history in his time off from his day job as a town guard. The ceremony sought to celebrate the great new cathedral going up in Sandpoint. The town had just suffered a dark period known as the Late Unpleasantness, which none of the town folk liked talking about. Suffice to say, a number of prominent citizens met an early and unpleasant end. The party began well enough. Father Xantus gave a rousing speech, as did Mayor Derevin, and Sheriff Hemlock, well, he gave a speech too. 
The party participated in various events, foods, and a tug-of-war contest that left Prina dragging her rivals from Sandpoint City underbelly through the very literal mud. Before long, though, a group of goblins interrupted the party. The nightmarish band of small green terrors ran roughshod through the town as they chanted a sinister song. Goblins chew and goblins bite. Goblins cut and goblins fight. Stab the dog and cut the horse. Goblins eat and take by force. Goblins race and goblins jump. Goblins slash and goblins bump. Burn the skin and mash the head. Goblins here and you be dead. Chase the baby. Chase the pup. Bunk the head to shut it up. Bones be cracked. Flesh be stewed. We be goblins and you be food. This kicked off a fierce battle where the party fought through the streets, desperately hoping to turn back the tide of the evil forces invading the once quiet and humble city. The party, after several skirmishes and scuffle, managed to turn the goblins back, and for that they received great accolades. Newly entitled the Heroes of Sandpoint, they received free room and board at the Rusty Dragon Inn. At least those who didn't live in Sandpoint already as well as the adoration of the populace and personal thanks from the mayor and sheriff. Their honeymoon period was brief, but sweet. The whole town knew the heroes of Sandpoint, and they were asked to assist with many local problems and other goings-on. For instance, Father Xantis, the local priest, needed help with some skeletons in a crypt, roused by the recent raid. They also dealt with a stray goblin terrorizing a local family after eating their dog and making an impromptu home in their son's closet. There was also the unfortunate case with Aldern Foxglove, a local noble the party personally saved from the goblin assault. He invited the party on a boar hunting trip. The party, of course, accepted the innocuous-sounding invite, but would soon come to regret the decision. The hunt itself didn't take very long. They were easily able to overpower the beast. But the trip there and back involved a lot of awkward, probing questions from Aldern, especially directed towards Lan, and increasing in intensity over time. It seemed that some in the city grew to put the heroes of Sandpoint on a bit too high of a pedestal. Also during this time, a budding romance between Andy and Amiko, the local innkeep at the Rusty Dragon, began to bloom. The rest of the party soon caught on and began to force the issue, teasing Andy about a secret crush and occasionally inviting Amiko over to the table to try and encourage Andy to talk to her, especially when he was already a few drinks in. Unfortunately, the romance was doomed to an early end for reasons we'll get into a bit down the road. Indeed, while the group has many happy memories of their time shortly after becoming the Heroes of Sandpoint, during the twilight hours of this honeymoon period, the group encountered a foreshadowing event. Amiko Kaijutsu, the generous soul offering free room and board to the party following the raid, received an unfortunate visit from her father. This, of course, didn't go well. He didn't approve of her past life in adventuring, or her innkeeping for that matter leading to strained relations. Presently, Lanjiku planned to flee to Magnamar for unknown reasons and threatened to cut Amiko out of his will if she didn't come with. Amiko, given her strong character and close ties to the community, refused, 
leading to a bitter argument ending in Amiko chasing Lanjiku out of the inn. The party attempted to console Amiko, but she was clearly a little thrown off by the whole event. Further drama inflicted itself on the party later that night, as they received grim news from Sheriff Hemlock and a local ranger, Shalalu. It turns out the goblins have been particularly raucous and troublesome lately, not to mention strangely organized. Hemlock and Shalalu conveyed this in a meeting with them, the mayor, and the party, which she held at the dead of night in an empty town hall. Sheriff Hemlock decided, in order to prepare the city for the inbound threat, that he'd take some guards to Magnamar to press them for additional soldiers. Shalalu, for her part, took the job of going to various goblin strongholds to see if she could discover anything else about what was going on. The heroes of Sandpoint were charged with keeping up a public face and maintaining the local peace. After that, Shalalu invited the party for a drink before her departure. They went to the Rusty Dragon, where she would, in exchange for some tales of their travails, give the party a rundown of their opponents, the five goblin tribes of the Lost Coast, as well as six goblin heroes. Of note from her explanation, Corvus, the champion of the Seven Truth tribe and wielder of a magical longsword. He vanished several months back, although some suspect he's hiding in a cave along the cliffs. Rip Nugget, the leader of Thistletop Goblins, and Bruthasmus, a bugbear ranger who lived in the northern Nettlewood. Fully informed and ready to roll, they retired for the night and spent the next few days experiencing the quiet before the storm. For the next few months would be a whirlwind of activity and drama as the party finally found out what had really been going on this whole time. It started when they awoke to Bethana. Amiko's timid, elderly halfling maid, who couldn't find Amiko for breakfast. She explained to the party that she woke up to find that Amiko had left sometime in the middle of the night. She entered Amiko's room and found a piece of parchment on the bed, a note from Amiko's older brother, Tsuto. The letter described some shady goings-on that their father, Lonjiku, had been committing. Suto had apparently been following these and wanted to discuss the matter with Amiko, since she had some sway with the citizens of the city. He offered an invitation to meet at the glassworks at midnight to discuss the issue, which, based on the current situation, Amiko had accepted. The party grew immediately suspicious. Suto bore a bit of a sketchy past, being born a half-elf to two human parents, meaning Lanjuku wasn't the father. The parents handed Suto over to Turandak Academy to be raised, ignored by his father and forbidden to visit his mother. Amiko apparently established a relationship over the years, which eventually resulted in this message. The party left for the glassworks, clearly anxious about the fate of their host and friend, and when they arrived, there was little to assuage their fears. They infiltrated from two sides, but quickly found the building infested with goblins, who had been amusing themselves with the various tools and implements available to them in the foundry. They found Lonjiku encased in glass in the main workshop room, and an intense battle ensued, with goblins poking and thrusting with pokers still encased in molten glass. Despite the peril, the heroes came out successful, they continued scouring the building and eventually descended to the basement of the building. There they found both Suto and Amiko. With Suto, they found him in his office and engaged in a melee with little delay. After a desperate fight, they emerged victorious, taking him captive. 
With Amiko, they freed her and carried her upstairs and outside. Unfortunately, things went south from there. Trina engaged in some less-than-successful dialogue with an exceptionally distressed Amiko, unintentionally rubbing some salt into the still fresh and quite deep wound of her brother's betrayal and her father's death. She didn't take the affair well, and apparently held the party responsible for the pretty inconsiderate treatment. Likewise, the rest of the party found out that their woes were not yet at an end. In addition to Suto, they discovered both a note outlining Suto's obsession with a mysterious figure named Nualia, as well as plans of a second attack on Sandpoint from a joint force of some unknown freaks beneath Sandpoint, as Suto's journal called them, and the goblin Nualia apparently commanded. Beyond that, they also found some smuggling tunnels leading to mysterious catacombs deep beneath Sandpoint. The party acknowledging that, while tragic, the Amico problem could wait, ventured into the catacombs to find out what horrors awaited them. And indeed, horrors they did find. The catacombs, long dormant and untouched, lay host to a number of horrifying sin spawn, which attacked the party with vigor at first detection as well as a ghastly, twisted goblin the party later identified as Corvus, apparently mutated and twisted into his new horrifying shape by some unseen force beneath the earth. But in addition to the horrors, the party came across some curiosities as well, including a spherical room lacking gravity containing a number of books and scrolls and a weird basin containing foul-smelling water, which seemed to refill itself over time. In any case, the party ventured forward, eventually coming to the climax of these catacombs, a fight with a fiendish demon who immediately cloaked itself in invisibility and harassed the party from the sky. A desperate fight ensued, but eventually they prevailed, killing the demon and ending the threat from beneath Sandpoint mentioned in Suto's journal, but still one threat remained. The party regrouped in Sandpoint, recovering physically with the help of Father Xantus and trying to salvage the emotional damage inflicted by Prina upon Amiko. A few days passed before once again the party was ready to set forth, but finally the day arrived where they would confront the goblin threat abroad. They left Sandpoint and headed north to Thistletop. The going was easy at first, but worsened significantly upon hitting the forest bordering Thistletop. At first, they had troubles navigating, and then they faced an impenetrable wall of thistles. They decided to leave Annie's faithful horse, Miley Cyrus, behind, while the rest of them, including Prina's pony, Puddlefoot, continued onward. They managed to find a tunnel through the thistles, into the outer grounds of the goblin stronghold. They ventured inward, encountering little resistance at first, except for a gaggle of poorly unarmed goblins until they ran into a goblin sorcerer named Gogmert and his firepelt cougar Tangletooth. Another fight ensued, but before long the players claimed victory, extracting a brief interview out of Gogmert. Apparently Gogmert didn't agree with Ripnugget, the leader of Thistletop's intention, to follow Nualia. He entreated the party to kill Nualia and spare Ripnugget, although whether they follow through on that plan still remains to be seen. Our prologue closes on the party finally reaching their final destination. They finished crossing the outer gardens of Thistletop, a labyrinth of thistles and plants winding skyward, and emerged on a bridge 
stretching shakily over a chasm, dropping down into the roiling ocean below. The party crossed, at first hesitantly, and then a bit more boldly, until finally the collective weight caused the bridge to collapse. With a splash, much of the party landed hard in the ocean depths below. All survived, but the waters were treacherous, and Puddlefoot nearly drowned in the process. While it was a close call, the party eventually regained their footing, and, while thoroughly bruised and hurt, they continued their excursion. So here we leave our retelling. The party lay at the foot of the den of the horrendous goblins, not to mention unspoken evil known as Thistletop. Our first episodes cover their foray forth into its depths. What horrors await! Will they successfully cut the goblin threat down at its root, or will they fail, resulting in Sandpoint's imminent demise? And what of this Nualia character? Why is she consorting with the horrible goblins, and what is her agenda? Find out all that and more in Alacrity.